The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. kids to bed, grab a beer, and listen up. It's time for another stellar edition of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Rory Blythe. This is Karen Cavallero here to announce show number 62 with guest Don XML, recorded live Thursday, April 29th, 2004. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering hands-on VB.net and ASP.net classes remotely. Online at www.franklins.net. And by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.net web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine. Microsoft Technologies in-depth for IT managers and developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man whose day is just beginning, and that means one thing, rigorous calisthenics, Carl Franklin. (laughs) Thanks, Karen. Thanks very much. Rory, you had something to say right off the bat. Oh, actually, I just wanted to say that I think we should modify the disclaimer a little bit because it says uh, Franklin's Net is solely responsible for its content. But I want to say if our content hops the fence and gets your dog pregnant, (laughs) we can't be responsible for that. That's not us, right? All right. Well, welcome to another stellar edition of .NET Rocks. Carl, come on. Admit it. There are legal implications to that statement. We got to draw the line somewhere, right? Yes, that's I know you true. want to leave it behind us now, but I just want to make sure we got ourselves <laughs> covered, okay? I guess there's no sense in introducing my co-host, Rory Blythe, but here he is. Yes, since I'm probably going to get fired after this show <laughs> for that one. No problem. <laughs> How you doing? Well, you know, I mean, last week I was under the weather, um, and this week I'm actually under whatever's under whatever's under the weather, right? Because <laughs> I, got, I got put on that antibiotic. It mixed with my blood pressure medication, and yesterday I almost passed out, almost fainted. And uh, I thought, well, that's probably just kind of a one-time thing until it happened again today. And I'm thinking, maybe it's not such a good combo. So You're like a walking lab experiment. <laughs> <in these days. laughs> yeah, yeah, Jesus. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm also not getting enough sleep, and then I'm taking all the cold medicine around the clock, and it's like this mix of, you know, you get that cold medicine, and it's like uppers and downers, and the same thing with some Tylenol thrown in, you know? It, they've got the amphetamines, and they've got, you know, the same stuff that's in sleeping pills, Unisom? Right. That's the same, that, that's an antihistamine. Yeah. It's the same stuff that goes into like Tylenol, you know, nighttime cold flu, whatever. So you get that and you, your body's getting pulled in all these different directions and you're taking all these other powerful pharmaceuticals. <laughs> and I mean, I, yeah, I can't stand close to an open flame because I'll just <laughs> go up. You know, I mean, there's 
Oh, There's man. all sorts of problems. I'm I'm feeling good tonight though because we got the show going, and this is a, probably also because I'm out of my mind from all the pharmaceuticals. So I can already tell because of the sh- the pre-show banter was just at an extreme level today. Um, that this is going to be the format for yeah, it, it, for the show. This is this really raw. I'm I'm having a good time. <laughs> you know, it's ten o'clock at night. We could drink. You know, we can we can have fun. We can you know we don't have to worry that the boss is listening and you know listening in on us listening to the show and all that stuff. I think this is going to rock. Don't you think, guys? Yeah. Oh, don't yeah. you think? Yeah. <laughs> this is going to rock. What I, what I think it's going to be is half the IQ and twice the fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, not necessarily. Just until we interview the guests, and then the guest is going to bring it down to you know a reasonable a level, level of yeah, yeah. IQ. But we're professional tonight, right? We're yes. Doing it because we got some complaints that the show wasn't professional enough, so we're all wearing ties. That's right. We're all wearing ties. We got some emails. Both Rory and I got emails that they think we should raise the professionalism of our show, so we decided to wear ties. So everybody's got a tie. Don's got a tie. Joe's got a tie. Jeff's got a tie. Rory and myself, we all have ties. So... There you go. And Carl is now the CEO. I'm That's the right. COO, the chief other officer. I'm the CEO officer. of .NET Rocks Incorporated. That's right. We're going to have a board meeting here. and uh, No longer amateurs. We're wasiters. Right. We are pros So this meeting now. will come to order. Who's the secretary? <laughs> <laughs> I told you, man, half the IQ. I was right. We're dumber at night. Yeah, but so are our listeners, so we don't have to worry about it. So, Well, it's only night here. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. We're smarter in England. Yes, that's true. Uh, so, um, Roy, it's been a great week for me. Uh, I've basically had the first week off in a long, long time, and nice. I don't. Mean, when I have a week off, I don't have the week off. I, I, you know, do all the other work that I'm right. not doing when I'm teaching and stuff. So, but it was great to catch up on some of that, and uh, I just really am enjoying this moment right here. No, you seem happy. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a, this is a great time for me. So, uh, you know, like like Karen said, you know, my day is just beginning. So. The calisthenics she was talking about were six ounce curls, basically. <laughs> right. so. the, the, the Dunkin' Donuts iced latte <laughs> over there, I see. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, how many listeners do we have out there? Uh, hang on a sec. I was changing headphones. We have 37 listeners right now. Hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah, for, for an instant format change. Uh, I think yeah, it's sort of, yeah, the rest of them are going to show up tomorrow at 11. And yeah, like, <laughs> where did everybody go? What? We yeah. should just play a constant nah, 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 on right, the server yeah. at that time. <laughs> well, anyway, now's the time in our show where we talk, uh, where we read some fan mail, and uh, we've got a couple of fan mails uh, this week. The first one came from uh, Chris Corner, and he says, Hey, guys, it wasn't until I found .NET Rocks that I realized my one hour and 15 minute commute to work each way was a gift from above. I've had two terrific hours of .NET Rocks every day for many weeks now. It's been great. But when I ran out of episodes, I realized I was in trouble. Oh, I tried to compensate by listening to the .NET show, MSDN TV, <laughs> etc. I'm not put this. I swear to God, this guy wrote this. While they were good, it wasn't the same. So I'm doing what any true devoted fan would do: starting at the beginning and listening to them all over again. Keep up the good work, Chris Corner, Madison, Indiana, and oh, I'm sorry. And then he said, pronounced Kerner. The O is silent. I'm sorry, Kurt, Chris. I should have read that fully before reading your uh, name. It's Chris Kerner. Uh, Chris, we're going to send you a .NET Rocks clock, and uh, congratulations for that. We also got an email from uh, several emails back and forth from uh, Daniel Peterson, and he wrote, Hi, Carl and Rory. Carl, please forward this to the guy with the out-of-order hair. I don't know what that means, but anyway. Nobody here by that description. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea what you mean. You're going to have to clarify, Daniel. 
First of all, I'd like to execute the normal kiss your ass and hope to get some useless crap routine. So here goes. You have the greatest developer show on the face of the earth. Now on to some more pressing matters. <laughs> this guy just get right all to business, it. All right. business, right? <laughs> just for that, you're not getting any crap, man. We're gonna send you a real piece of crap in a box Ew. with a ribbon on it. Ew. Compliments of Rory. You. Well, anyway, uh, he says. <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know. <laughs> he says, "I really like the show about coding slave, and maybe you could start a section of your show uh, where you review software books." Today, there are thousands of books covering every strange corner of .NET, or at least those claiming to cover it. Is there anything more depressing than buying a new uh, without reviews book from Amazon just to discover that it does a better job as a screen raiser, the book you put under your screen to make it a little higher, than as an educator <laughs> or fact container? If you haven't read The Future of Ideas, which is at www.thefutureofideas.com with dashes in it, by L. Lessig, you should. I don't claim that this guy is right all the time, but the book contains some contains some info. But the book contains some info about strange things in the land of copyright and patents. Best regards, your devoted listener in Sweden, Daniel Peterson. Uh, so he said, you know, and I told him basically uh, that we, you know, we that's a good idea, but you know, we don't have the bandwidth to read a book and review it every week, but. Uh, but. If you know if some uh, alert listeners want to take up the challenge and and uh, help us out with that, we would definitely give you some airtime. What do you think? I think that's a good idea. Well, we already have the the .NET uh, book club. Jeff, that's Julian. true. Yeah, Jeff Julian. We could tap him. True. So yeah, we're we're going to work on that, that Daniel. Yeah. We're going to work on that. And for now, I can just say that you know, essentially, ASP.NET is a good book. Yeah, that's my book review for the week. Thumbs buy up, it. way you, up. No, you, it really is the best ASP.NET book. You, you buy can it, buy you read universe. it, yeah. you take it home, you read it, and you like it. That's simple. Yeah, yeah. Value out of the show right there. Or I come and break your legs. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. All right, well, unfortunately, that's about all the email we had. We have another segment later on in the show that we're going to do uh, called Dumb Emails. And um, there you go. Uh, Tom... Tom says Boston User Group has a book club. Boston.net User Group has a book club. I know that's true. Chris Pels has told me about it. Oh, cool. They review books and they take them home and they put up reviews and stuff. So, yeah, we'll work on that. So, uh, Roy, before we get started today, I just wanted to uh, mention that Microsoft is doing a tablet PC tour for developers starting real soon now. It's the Microsoft Tablet PC Developer Tour. And uh, the URL is a little bit hard to find. It's free, oh, cool. by the way, so and you have to register. But the URL is at www.tabletpctraining.com slash Microsoft. And uh, let me just tell you what you can expect. A uh, tablet PC platform overview, the tablet APIs, the object model, and available components and controls. You get complete coverage of the new features available with Windows XP Tablet PC 2004 edition. Wow. Code samples and demonstrations across all the main features. Discussions around designing and deploying tablet PC apps. Q&A time. Uh, and each session is delivered by Microsoft Tablet employees or a recognized tablet PC expert from the Lezinski Group. This is an opportunity you don't want to miss. Register soon. And let me just uh, rat, read off some dates here. Uh, kicking off in Denver, Colorado, May 5th, May 6th, San Francisco, May 11th, Seattle, May 12th, Dallas, also in May 12th, Los Angeles, May 13th, Houston, San Diego, uh, May 18th, New York City, 
May 18th, Philadelphia. May 19th, New York, New Jersey. Santa Clara, California. May 25th, Washington, D.C. and Atlanta, Georgia. May 26th, Miami, Florida. Uh, June 2nd, Chicago. June 3rd, Dearborn, Michigan and Austin, Texas. June 8th, St. Louis, Missouri in Cleveland, Ohio. And June 9th, Boston, Massachusetts. Register now. Well, anyway, Rory, uh, tonight's guest is uh, none other than Don XML. At your request, actually, you requested we have Don on. And uh, I don't know personally know him. First time I met him tonight, but I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, let me introduce Don XML. Don Demsack, right? Demsack or Demsack? Demsack, yep. okay. A.K.A. Don XML is a Microsoft MVP and independent consultant who specializes in architecting and programming multi-tier applications using Microsoft's .NET framework. He is an evangelist that is known for preaching the benefits of XML, SVG, and the .NET framework on various discussion groups across the web and on his blog. He also enjoys the intellectual camaraderie of working with people from and around the world. Don is one of the founders of the Sharp Vector Graphics, a.k.a. SVG, open source project, which is bringing SVG to the .NET framework and a member of XML Insiders, a select group of international professionals who have demonstrated expertise in Microsoft's XML technologies and who provide valuable early feedback on related developing technologies and publications to their peers, the Microsoft XML team, and others. <sighs> Jeez, man. How are you? All Welcome. Right. Doing good. Thanks. And I'd like to thank Rory for uh, inviting me up. We have been having a great time at uh, PDC and a bunch of different other places, especially the... Uh, he wasn't at the MVP summit. <laughs> and for those for those of you who are saying to themselves, "Hey, that's a really nice phone connection you have," you're actually right here in the studio. You drove up from where? I drove up from Jersey. Awesome. Jersey in the house. Represent. Awesome, man. New Jersey, which is you know on the map looks like it's just next door, but that's actually like a nice six seven hour drive, maybe. It was three hours the other way. Okay, three. Yeah. Wow. Depends on where you're from. So you're right over the bridge, basically. Well, close. Close. And yeah, Morris County. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, good. But um, we've had a blast doing a lot of this stuff and hanging out with Rory and uh, right. the rest of the XML crew uh, over at the PDC. And, and the XML conference, Chris Ellis XML DevCon. Oh, that's yeah. where actually That's where I first encountered you. Yeah. Well, that's where the world first encountered Rory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so – I mean that's a pretty long bio there. Um, if you when somebody asks you, you know, what do you do? I don't know about you, but I have a little hard time answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's you know overall in our industry, especially with what we do. If your parents or one of your relatives ask you, what do you do? Well, I work with computers. Yeah, oh. you really got to simplify it for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean you work for Dell? No, <laughs> you work for Microsoft. Well, not really. <laughs> but I do a lot of stuff with Microsoft. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, um, uh, I'm a consultant. Yeah. So. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's there you go. it. I mean, come on, it's the mob. Now, yeah, one of the things a consultant. One of the things that I know that you're really good at is trying to explain XML to Mort's. And you know, one of the issues around XML that a lot of newcomers seem to think, and this is why we have a segment in a masterclass that Chris Pels teaches called What the Hell is XML? Because really, you know, your average developer who's never used it before has a very skeptical sort of why the hell do I need to know this kind of, uh, you know, attitude. When I have tools like web services and Visual Studio that just do everything for me, who needs to learn XML and why? I mean, basically, I mean, if you look 
well, I would highly recommend anybody who wants to figure out exactly what XML is to definitely go and check out Rory's explanation of XML for the non-techies. I mean, it does an absolute great job of explaining to my mom what XML is all about. Yeah. Basically, that it does nothing. It is only data. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is the purpose, is, is a nice, good way to, to uh, store data in a hierarchical fashion. It's almost like saying, you know, what's the benefit of floppy disk, you know, or what's the benefit of FAT or 32 or NTFS? Why do we only use zeros and ones? Yeah, right. Well, that's right. one of the confusing things, though, right? When you're just getting into XML is you hear about things like XML applications. And, you know, you're a developer and you start thinking well, what does that mean exactly, right? You get into this whole like weird land of terminology and, and you get into areas where it's like, well, is this a language or is this not a language? Is this just a way of dealing with data? What is this exactly? Like, what are we dealing with? There's a lot of different terminology out there that can be really confusing to people just come into it. And I think a lot of it also has to do with they, they feel a little intimidated by all these different acronyms. I mean, the other right. always three, you know, they're out there an XML an extensible markup language. Well, you know, basically it describes it's a language to describe other things. Yeah. Well, isn't <laughs> Huh? Yeah. Other things. Yeah, there's the specific well, thing. Uh, and basically whenever I walk into like a corporate client and and I talk to them, I, I try to break it down to keep it really simple and I say it's basically um, comma delimited files on steroids. I mean, right. that's been my comment all That you along. can actually read and write. You could yeah. read it and you could write it. It's a common way of doing things. And actually for the old schoolers out there, I mean, I, for the people who've been out on the mainframe, I explained it to them that it's, you know, 80 byte card images. I mean, that's exactly yeah. what it yeah. was. And, huh. and we used to do that all the time on the mainframe side is create these 80 byte card images and, you know, you'd have card type one and card type two and card right. type... And it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks a little different. It's a little easier to read. And what's cool is they have all these standard um, APIs, application program interfaces, mm -hmm. to go along and read it so that it makes life so much easier for you as the developer instead of having to write your own parser, which, you know, is also a problem with the, a lot of the C++ crowd where yeah. you know, they want to write the parser. I could do that faster. <laughs> that, sort of, that sort of leads into my second question, which is standards. And uh, standards are what it's all about with XML. Without standards, nothing works. And, you know, the, some of the things that, that I remember from standards uh, that went completely awry, you know, SCSI being one, right? SCSI was this supposed to be this standard and everybody said, oh, yeah, we'll do that. And they made their own proprietary versions of the standard. And uh, without, you know, an economic standard like Microsoft Windows that just says, look, everybody has it. You're going to write a program for Windows uh, or not or not have it. When people just have the ability to sort of make up their own protocols and things like that. How how much has XML been standardized? I mean, have has the community kept to the standards as very well? Or as you, you mentioned, you know, people were making their own parsers making their own protocols, you know, what's the what's the state of that? Well, um, for the past about four years or so, they've been really heavy into, there's basically two types of um, APIs for dealing with XML. There's the document object model, which they call a DOM, which actually would load the whole thing into memory. And okay. then, and then um, the other thing would be SACS, or the simple um the simple access for XML. And, you know, both of them have been around for a long time. DOM has grown up and it's to the point where 
um, it's filled with a lot of bloat. Hmm. And so when you use the .NET framework, yes, you can use the DOM, but now they're trying to wean people off of it and say, hey, listen, you know, we've learned from our mistakes. This thing, this thing called the DOM was cool at one time. Yeah. But now it's just not cool anymore. It doesn't do it doesn't fit the model. It fit the old com model and interface model, but it doesn't fit dot net. Mm. And so we need to come up with something better. And so what they have done is expose something called the XML reader, which is a, a very good way, fast way of parsing XML. But this is just in dot net, though, right? This is just in dot net at the moment. So what? Yeah. So that's the same well, that, old that, story, right? That's it's, a tough thing. Is when you go back to like you know Python or Java or whatever. I mean, I remember when I went back to Python and started looking at XML. It seemed like it was a real SACS kind of world. Yep. You know, and I, and I was kind of shocked because I was coming from so much .NET that I was like, whoa. You know, it was a little bit of a shock there. And it, the community as a whole has finally you know got together. Um, they're just trying now to struggle with complex uh, documents where you would have more, you're describing more than one thing, something called namespaces, which is basically, you know, you have different uh, languages all intermingled together. Um, think of it in the terms of um, structured, in uh, the terms of com, it would be a structured uh, storage. Okay. Um, where you have multiple file types all in one file and some hierarchy in there. Yeah. That's basically what they're doing now with um, with XML, where they're mixing multiple namespaces together in the same document. And now they're trying to figure out how to best best way to parse it. And the DOM really doesn't work. Right. It doesn't understand namespaces. Sax right. is it, it doesn't. The Sax version in .NET is instead of being a push, it's a pull model, which is it's called the XML reader, and it, um, it's very hard to code at that level at the moment. And so, we're, what we're trying to do is make it easy, make it easier than uh, than working with the DOM, and make it easier than working with that Sax or the XML reader model out there. And so, we're saying, okay, let's drop back to the basics. Let's try to keep it simple. Yeah. Um, get the word out and bring people along. And that was like a big thing at the MVP conference this year was that, you know, yay, we have, there's 14 of us or 12, 13 of us or whatever, but we're doing a really bad job getting the word out to more people. Do you ever get the sense that I do that sometimes all these tools and technologies that are just sort of, you know, boom, everybody's just, you know, as soon as people discovered XML as a format, then now everybody's got these tools and things. You ever get the sense that people are just trying to swat a fly with a Buick? You bet. You bet. Like, I mean, they're trying to use, and, that, and that's actually where I got my nickname from, uh, Don XML, is because when I first learned, when I first grokked XML, I started using XML for everything. Yeah. And mm. it was a derogatory statement. Don yeah. XML again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, and that was the idea behind the name. And I figured I'd, I'd stick with it because, you know, I'll wear it as a badge of honor that... But, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, turned into there are a lot of people out there that are trying to use XML for everything and they want an in-memory database and they're going to use XML. Right, right. No, no, no. That's what in-memory database is all about. So so speaking of, uh, you know, this is like what everybody's doing and, and, and that sort of deal, what I like to ask people who really know something and who enjoy the idea of educating people who don't know quite as much about it, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make when they're approaching XML? Like, what's mistake number one? I mean, what's the one big thing that just makes you want to scream or whatever? Whenever they try to, to load, like, a 
meg <laughs> okay, file right. in the memory and say, hey, it takes like forever for right. this to load. Right. No, well, no, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, but how much memory do you have on this machine? Yeah, and the oh. answer is upgrade your processor, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm loading this 20 meg file and I only re- really need these three bytes. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Where's the problem? <laughs> uh, um, but I mean, that is the biggest problem is they th- see it as a panacea for everything right. and they just use it for everything. And it, it really isn't. It, it, it's good at what it does. It's good to serialize an object graph, to take yeah. a, a specific version of an object and serialize it to a, for- a specific format, which is XML and send it over the line that, you know, that's one of the, the benefits of it. Um, and one of the other things is this whole concept of declarative programming. Yeah, yeah. And XAML, et cetera. XAML and Zool. Zool. Yeah. And even HTML, if you think about it, sure. I mean, it is declarative programming. I mean, I even wrote a blog entry um, back in the day when I worked on the mainframe, JCL. Job control language. Right, right. It's it's a declarative language. I mean, and, and like every other technology, it's not a panacea, right? I mean, declarative more, programming is great for some things, not for other things. You bet. Yeah, so uh, that's a good point. We should just keep that theme in mind the whole t- the, during this talk. What uh, what was what was up with VB six cl- XML class wrappers? Oh, that was something that we um, actually Dan Rogers from Microsoft. Uh, went back in the BizTalk, the first version of BizTalk came out he came up with a really cool tool that looks a lot like what XSD does right now, mm. which you give it a schema and it generates the classes for you. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, what they were doing was it was basically subclassing the XML. And what I did is took that back in the day, back when VB6 was king, and used that so that people didn't have to learn XML. That uh-huh. all they had to learn, it was this, your, your object model, and it would hide the XML under the under the covers, and um, I've got a site up uh, yetiplanet.com, and uh, I've got a whole discussion in, about just the, how to set that type of stuff up. So if anybody's out there who's doing VB6 and says, "Hey, you know, you know, I'm not doing .NET yet, and I want to get into XML." Um, that's a, a really good place to start. You know, this uh, brings me back to another question. I uh, to the question that I asked you before, which was, it's sort of like you see these. The, the do you do you foresee? Let me ask you it this way: Do you foresee a sort of a divide in terms of users of XML, those who just use the tools, and then those who actually understand XML and schemas and attributes and elements and all those other little pieces of XML, like? It, you know, with all the tools getting more and more sophisticated, you know, and web services is a great example of that. There's people who can program web services completely without even seeing XML, without even knowing what it is. Are you going to find that there's going to be a, a, this branch of people who aren't going to need to? And I don't mean aren't, are going to choose not to, but they're not going to need to know XML. Or is it always more beneficial to understand, you know, the mechanics of of it? I mean, I got a book on XML that was this thick. That was nothing but, you know, the the techni- technical terms for what these things are and how how to describe different pieces of data. It said nothing about particular protocols, nothing about when to use these protocols, how to use them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And, and uh, what I would say is it it's going to wind up being very similar to the VBCom divide. 
Okay. Where the VB programmers That's are good, out there, good analogy. Yeah. Coding it, and they they're coding com, but they don't know that they're coding com. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, I mean, and, and, and they can't afford, box is about. And they can't afford to know. I mean, a lot of the VB programmers that were using it, you know, these weren't guys who were going to sit through a development or a class on com, you know, or read and a, a nor, big, nor should they. nor should they. That wasn't their yeah. You know, you want to you want to lower the 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 cost to, to get the product out to to market. Right. And if you can get a rad application to work, great. Um, that's right. one of the things that Microsoft is doing right now with the XAML. Is right now, if you have Longhorn and you start messing with XAML, you're going to have to code that XAML by hand. Yeah. And we all know that pretty much sucks. Yeah. But we also know Microsoft is smart enough to yes. to create something to great to tools, create the XML, yeah, yeah. The, the XAML out there, a- and I don't see graphic artists ever getting to the point of having to break down and look at the XAML code. Right. I don't right. want graphic artists yeah. looking at the XAML code. <laughs> right. But yeah. if there's something that somebody on in your shop knows XML and can tweak, there you go. There you go. So you should at least have one XML guru in your shop, in other words. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Especially, you know, that's what's going to be. It's going to be – you're going to get these, you know – um, not evangelists, but the architects come in and say, yeah. hey, we're going to tweak this, we're going to tweak that. We have a performance issue here. You know, how can we fix it? You know, we're having a problem here. And you come in and you fix it and you clean up the garbage. I mean, yeah. basically the sanitation workers. Right, right. Or, or, or even just people have to deal with anything that isn't just straight homogenous Microsoft, yeah. right? Once you start getting into interoperability, you're going to need somebody who's going to be able to come in and tweak the XML of it, right? Because you're going to have somebody on one side with the .NET saying, this is what Wisdell looks like. You can have somebody on the other side just going, no, <laughs> that's not Wisdell. No, let me show you some Wisdell. Right, right, you right. Know? So you're going to have people who just simply aren't even going to agree about about what's going on. If you're just using like web services as a sort of cheap remoting, then yeah, yeah it's no problem, right. right? But once you got to hook into somebody else's system, bang, it's all over. You're going to need somebody. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, actually. Are there a lot of good tools out there to help out with this? Because I, I see a lot of it done by hand, and I wind up having to do a lot of it by hand, you know? Yeah, I mean, yes, there are some tools out there. Um, but the quality just isn't there uh, where it should be. Right. I mean, I mean, just think about uh, HTML and front page. I mean, front page yeah. will <laughs> will generate HTML for you. So will word for Windows. Did you hear the Good quotes Lord. he 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 said around HTML? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I went to uh, Amazon.com and I signed up for their web services uh, club, whatever it is, you know, whatever the waiver you have to sign to do web services and whatever, I got a password and everything. And I got the SDK and I couldn't understand a bit of it, a word of it. Now I'm not an XML guru, but, uh, you know, I'm thinking I'm used to the Microsoft way, which is give me a URL to a web service. I'll put it in, I'll press the button, I'll get the web service, you know? Oh no. (laughs) Oh no. no. It was, you know, here's the soap header. Uh, you know, here's a couple of samples of how to use it. You know, we're t- they're like opening up socket connections and stuffing XML in there or something. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of that going on out there because it's so cutting edge, and that's basically, I mean, the whole purpose uh, of uh, my discussion here today is let them go and let them do their things. Yeah. Don't try to jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, Just give them time. It's got to mature, mm. uh, and mm. just focus in on what we can do today. Very well. It's a uh, really good point. And just let Donbox and the rest of the Indigo team get their stuff up and running and the rest of the SOAP teams that, that are out there and get it to a mature product. Don't bother playing with that stuff right now. Let them go. Unless you have to. 
But for yeah. the average corporate developer right now, no, that's not really what they should be focusing in on. Yeah. It's the um they should be focusing in on the department to department stuff. Yeah. Okay, um uh what what's wrong with type data sets anyway? <laughs> type data sets are a big pet peeve of mine. Um basically because they allow you they will generate the classes for you, uh, which is cool, but you have no business rules associated yeah. with them. And what it, what good are type data sets if you have no business rules and you can't go in there and edit them? Right. So one of the ideas that I, that I had was to use some sort of standardized constraint language to embed that into the schema so that it would automatically generate the business rules. And are we getting into that Buick for fly swanning thing here now or what? Well, see, there is something called object constraint language, which they use in UML right now. And it is explicitly for describing constraints, which is really cool. Yeah. What I was looking to do was to be able to let the modeling tools generate some of those co that code for you because in the type data set basically what's happening is that code's getting generated for you anyway so if you could also take something like object constraint language and have that generate your c-sharp code along with all the other code then you might actually have something useful yeah that's cool and that's sort of the declarative programming thing again you bet yeah um wait I, I, about that actually um so for someone who isn't doing anything quite along those lines, is the idea then that you create like the model for your serialization in XML first, and then you have it turned into your class? Or yeah, I mean, and that that's basically what type data sets is doing now. Oh, really? For you. Okay, yeah, because yeah, you have a schema, and then you could take that schema and you run it through the XSD utility, and mm -hmm. it'll actually generate either VB or C sharp code for you that hides the XML. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm not so much like a type data set person, but. That's a lot of people are using it. Or a data set uh, person in general, actually. That's true, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a data set person, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely one of the create my business objects and then, you know, handle all the serialization It's a trust and, issue with you, though, right? Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah I want to make sure there's... Well, yeah, okay, I got some <laughs> mental problems. Let's just bring it up on the show. Where's your dirty laundry, Carl? All right. <laughs> but, yeah. I'm not so sure you should. I mean, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't proclaim to... Well, what, what's going over the, the wire, right? I mean, how how much well, versus in this particular case, data sets don't go over the wire. So, um, you're talking about something where both components, the the business layer and the data access, are on the same box. So you you don't have all the marshalling issues. Mm -hmm. um, but there not, are not a lot you of couldn't. people. You're not that's that, the thing not that you couldn't, yeah. but. Yeah. Um, well, in one dot one, it's going to get a binary format. It's not you can't even serialize data sets as XML without doing a little bit of sleight of hand. On, well, on it's the sort side. of XML binary. Yeah, it's even if you use the binary formatter, it's still XML, but it's got control characters in it. Yeah, um, it brings me back to uh, another thing about type data sets. I was talking with Rocky Lotka at a, actually at a party that I threw for the. Uh, uh, for the Orlando uh, Orlando Dining user group people and Rocky was up there and we were talking. So this is some of the stuff that they're working on in object spaces yep. is making a sort of a super type data set that uses partial I don't know if I'm gonna get in trouble with this, but uh uses partial <laughs> classes. <laughs> partial classes, basically, so that you know what a partial class is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So and for the listeners who don't, you have let's say two files that both belong to the same class. 
and you can create or recreate or update one and you can keep the other one the same. So the type data set is going to sort of morph into this thing where the, the it's going to be a partial class where you have your generated stuff in one part of it and then your business rules and your logic in the other that doesn't change. And so you can regen the, the data stuff all you want and uh, it sort of makes a nice nice mix. It, you, it, what it enables you to do is to be able to add that business rules to those classes without actually updating the code in, in those separate files. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, my thing with using object constraint language on top of that was so that that would also generate any of the object constraint language, the, the constraint, the check constraints, actually on the server in the database too. Huh. So actually, you know, if you're using SQL Server, you're using Oracle, you're going to write some check constraints at the database level. Why are we using different languages there and not using the same language actually on the middle tier? And then you could also say the same thing about uh, XML schemas. Right, where they're trying to do a lot of that constraint type stuff in a schema, also, but there's a limit to what you can do. You can't put the business rules in there, so we have a big disconnect. And it would be nice to be able to use a common language across all three layers. I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, back to the XML for you know, like the daily developer, right? Can we talk about schemas just for a second? Sure. Okay, I mean, we, we everybody out there basically gets what XML is now, right? It's the angle brackets that are holding the data. You CSV on steroids is what you said. So, yeah, but so it, it actually isn't about angle brackets. XML is just a way of... It uh, just happens to be angle, angle brackets. brackets. It's hierarchical data, essentially. You bet. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about schema, then. I mean... Let's define it. it. Yeah. <laughs> basically, it, it's, it's very similar to a database schema, where... A database schema is going to describe the relationships between the different tables. In an XML schema, it's going to be basically describing the relationship between um, complex types, the complex types, the elements, elements that, yeah. that are out there. Um, the difference between the two is in a relational database, you can have multiple relations, and you have depending on your point of view, what your root table is, things look a little bit different. In in XML schemas, because it's hierarchical, it's always going to be in a top down, not not um, all over the place, which is what will happen. So you could think of it as a, a, like a view of a relational database. And the dream of XML, the dream of XML being, you know, in a perfect world, what problems would XML be able to solve? Let me ask you. Oh, good I, I have yeah. my I have my own sort of thought on this. To be able to walk up to a device with, let's say, a handheld or something like that and just start communicating with it. You don't know who it is. It doesn't know who you are. You have this instant wireless realm that you're just you're in, in proximity and you just start doing what you know. What do you have? What do you what do you what do you do? Oh, well, I've got, uh, you know, you're in an airport. You want flight information or something. You walk up to a device, bink, 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 and it automatically figures out who who it is, what to call, how to call it what information to present, how to present it, and there you go. Is, is that something? And that... on top of that, I mean, that's, that's where we're going. But um, on top of what you're talking about, I would also like it to remember, your device to remember some personal stuff about you so that you right. wouldn't have to say, oh, I'm in, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm in Hartford and I want yeah. flights only for Hartford. It should be able to figure that out. And it's a... It's a it's a two-way query. Yeah. Uh, and what I was talking about with declarative programming, 
Um, basically, declarative programming is all about facts and figures. Yeah. Not about instructions. Right. Which right, is right. a totally different way of programming. Because when you, as a procedural programmer, are out there, you're always thinking, I've got to tell the computer to do this. I've got to tell the computer to do that. You're instructing the computer. In, in nature, it doesn't work that way. You, your brain doesn't think that way. Your brain thinks on facts and figures. Nature thinks on facts and figures. And so it's going to be more natural for us in the future to be able to do that type of stuff where you want to declare your facts and then the engine that is the universe will figure it out. Yeah. I mean, the most popular uh, declarative language out there right now is uh, DNA, yeah. your genes. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole idea. That's great. <laughs> the great uh, observation there. I mean, that that is it. You don't The genes don't tell the, yeah, the right. body how to work. It says these are your pieces. These are your facts. Right. Run. Right. Good. Rory, did you do you have a dream for XML? Oh, geez. I've had a few XML nightmares, which leads <laughs> to the next question, actually. Um, I was going to ask you, I remember a while back there was a really scary chart that was circulating, and it was like all the different XML applications, you know, and it was... The namespaces is basically the yeah, languages that are was, out there. It was terrifying, right? And I remember that it was debunked and narrowed down to just a certain core set of, of things that people needed to know. So I'm, I'm Joe Developer, right? Not Joe Grenier, who's sitting right to my left here. <laughs> well, I mean, by the way, I, Joe Grenier is in the is studio. He's in the audience tonight. Yeah, Joe. thank you very much, oh, Joe, yeah, for man. coming. He, he drove down from Providence. From Providence, right? Warwick. Whatever. Warwick. From someplace in Rhode Island. It's Warwick. A, it's a very yeah. small state. It's basically all the same place. So, um, <laughs> But as I was saying, so, uh, so it was sort of debunked. So I'm Joe Developer, and I'm thinking, okay, I want to get a job that's going to deal with XML. What do I need to know? Beyond just like this is how XML is is structured, this is what it does. What do I need to really focus my attention on in order to get up to speed on working with XML? And I know that it's a big question because you're going to say like what, like is data, or are we talking about like web services, or what? Fundamentals, maybe like a basically forget everything you ever learned about programming. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because it's not procedural. Mm -hmm. It's declarative. Right. It's you're it's talking facts and figures. Facts and figures. Yeah. And and when they train you in school, they don't train you that way. Right. And so the best thing that you could possibly do is forget what they told you and take a, a brand new look at life as you know it. Because that's basically what happens when when the switch gets turned on. When you actually understand XML, it's, oh, wait, this is a totally different way of doing Would an HTML difference. programmer have an easier time developing XML than uh, a, a procedural programmer, you think? Yes and no. <laughs> Most HTML <laughs> depends. <programs laughs> I mean, I mean a real HTML. Yeah, somebody who okay. really does a lot of HTML by hand. Um. Yes and no. Still, I mean, basically, a lot of those guys are script kiddies um, who do a lot of stuff still procedurally through script. Um, a sure. coder who also does HTML, right? Maybe because I know that my aha experience with XML was, oh, this is like HTML, but I just make it up as I go along, right? Right. You know? That's the first part. And then yeah. the second part is, oh, I could use that stuff that I made up <laughs> to actually drive my program. Wait, right. wait a minute. Halt, wait. <laughs> I can actually drive my program. I don't have to code it to tell it what to do. I can use the data to tell it what to do. Wow, that's a totally different way of thinking about it. But I, I actually have a story that uh, predates XML. Dan Appleman and I were partners in a company called uh, World Train, and World Train was a, a training product. And this was in 90, geez, it was 
97, 98. And so this was before the XML craze, really. I mean, XML was around, but it wasn't, you know, people weren't gaga over it. And I was writing basically a program that looked at scripts, and I had to write a script language or something that told this training thing what to do. And it could load up PowerPoints. It could go to the next slide, the previous slide. It could open up a web browser. It could do a whole bunch of things. And uh, and then you play back this script, and you would have stop points and things. And I naturally, I didn't know I was creating XML, but I created XML, an XML format. And I didn't know anything about XML at the time, but it just seemed like a natural, like all I knew was HTML. And it seemed like a natural thing to make HTML-like tags, you know what I mean? To describe, Yeah, exactly. But but again, I was a programmer who didn't know what XML was. I didn't have the XML tag at the top. I just, you know, I looked at HTML and I thought, ah, declarative, yeah, that's what I want. This is a readable script language that somebody can edit with a text pad, you know, and and my program can still read it. So, so it was just a sort of natural progression of my of my developer brain. And that's basically what what happens. And once you get it, it's okay. Now I can use it in different places. And, yeah. And it's just you got to learn when to say when 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 yeah. <laughs> when you've gone too far. <laughs> Right. When you're opening up that 20 meg file on <laughs> three bytes of data, you've got to you've got to have some more horror stories well, well, about well, XML. Well, well, let's say though, let's say that somebody is in that situation, they do have like a 20 meg XML file. What should they do? This is this is actually an interesting. Well, use thing. SQL Server. <laughs> well, no, that, that's okay. That's a good point. Yeah, fair enough. Right. That's no, a good I point, mean, yeah. but uh, there are a lot of companies who will archive their stuff to XML, and and that's perfectly legit. You would want to do something like that, um, but know that you don't want to load that whole thing into memory. Know that it, like any big string, you're going to want to parse it before right. you do it and only get the little bits of information that you're interested My in. My little developer brain's going to work here. At, you know, <laughs> let's let's pull in, you know, uh, 4K chunks or 10K chunks and run through it and, you know. Well, yeah, but I mean, you can't just <laughs> say, give me 4K but, yeah, chunks because no, 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 you'll no, get but half if you of a search, tag or something. No, but if you end. want to search for something, like you you could do like a buffered search where you don't you don't load in a whole bunch into RAM, but just a reasonable and, amount at a time. And, and that's one of the things that the, the XML MVPs at Microsoft were trying to do. Daniel Casalano, hmm. Kazoo, is trying to work on... And 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 there also, um, he they were working on something called XML streaming events, where mm. it would actually let you know you put in an XPath query, and it'll let you know when that query gets a hit. Cool. Which is different than what's going on right now. Yeah. Um, whether or not it actually works in the real world, we don't know. We're doing a lot of prototyping, um, but there's a lot of those type of projects out there on uh, that we're working on the the XML MVPs. And cool. uh, you can go out there and go get that. Awesome. Well, we have a caller on the line, uh, Chris Lundy from uh, Canada, from Catatonic. Actually. Hi, Carl. No, it's not Catatonic. Chris? That's your Skype ID. You there, Chris? I'm here. Chris, you have a question for uh, Don XML? Yes, I do. Hey, Chris. Um, I'm in the middle of uh, developing a little Amazon Web Service thing uh, myself, which uh, Carl brought up earlier. And he said that he was having problems with it. And, uh, well, I, I didn't actually try to use it. I looked at it and I okay. said, oh, my God, I can't do anything like <laughs> right, well, Yeah, it, it's very confusing. And um, I found that there was some example code in, in that SDK that actually doesn't even work. And oh. if, you, if you try it out, you send it to their server, you get error messages coming back. <clears> and I think what turned out was they were giving you examples that were maybe a year 
old, two oh. years old. They were using like an older version of their API that doesn't even work anymore. Mm. So lovely. They just I guess they have added to the confusion. I guess they haven't figured out namespaces yet either, and and they they're breaking their their uh, their contracts. Because basically, with the whole idea with, with using a namespace is you're saying that it looks like this as of this point in time, and if you want to roll out a new new version, just update the name the, na- the namespace. Or the other thing you could do is put a, a version attribute tag. And there's a lot of discussion going on: which way is the right way, which way is the wrong way. Mm. Um, there is no right way or wrong way; it just fits. Right. Um, but yeah, it definitely, you know, it sounds like the guys at Amazon are, you know, uh, learning as they go along. And, yeah. And, um, actually, tomorrow night, uh, Friday night in New York City, the New York City.net users group is having a discussion on the Amazon uh, hmm. web services stuff. Uh, it's eBay, I think. It's oh, eBay. Oh, is it eBay? Yeah. I thought it was Amazon. Oh, so did you ever get anything working at all? Actually, what I did was I started. Uh, with their SOAP interface, and I struggled with that for a couple of hours before I figured out what was going on. And I ended up switching to their their other API, which is XML-based, but um, you pass all the parameters in as part of the uh, query string. Uh, or no, not the query string. It's like part of the URL. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, like you're doing an old-fashioned get request from a web page form. Yeah, just HTTP. And uh, yeah. The, the result that comes back looks pretty much the same as the SOAP request, comes back except it's not inside the soap yeah. envelope yeah but basically the same XM, same type of xml yeah we, we, that's where actually i started was xml over http i mean back in good old ms xml 3.0 yeah i mean it was a it was a great tool it worked very well it worked very well within companies now exposing that type of stuff to the outside world eh, you can you can run into problems and because of data types and things. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit tricky because um, I mean, there's a limit on how long the URL can be. So there's, right. there's a limit mm-hmm. of how much data I can search for at once. Right. And um, I was also worried about the character sets that you could pass to it. So I think it turned out that UTF-8 worked. Now I was using the the Amazon Web Services kit about maybe a little less than a year ago, and I remember you know I had kind of the same experience like. That Carl did where I looked at the documentation, I was like, whoa, but I really just took the WSDL, ran it through WSDL.exe, took the uh, generated code, and kind of went to town. Um, yeah, now, that, now um, this sort of plays into my the oh, okay. question I have. Um, I wasn't, this isn't a .NET op- application ah. that I'm writing. So I'm using MSXML4. Okay. And the, the old fashioned uh, com way of doing things. And I wondered about when I do switch to .NET, because I have hmm. written a .NET um, program before that used a SOAP service, and that was incredibly easy to do. Yeah. Just run the WSDL program, and a class came out the other side. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's all I had to that's, do. That's what it does. Yeah. That was fantastic. And um, But I'm just wondering if any of this common stuff that I also had to learn if that if any of that is going to apply in the future, like so you've never you've never will done web X, ser- will XPath keep working the same way in the future? You've never done web services with .NET. I've written one application in .NET that consumed a web service yeah. and a SOAP service, and that was really easy to do. You'll find life a heck of a lot easier when you switch over to .NET. Yeah, it, it, everything. I mean, XPath 1.0 is XPath 1.0. Um, the the Microsoft folks worked very very hard with uh, .NET 1.0 to make sure that things migrated over from MSXML 4.0 relatively easily with with very few exceptions. I mean, 
but you know there are a little little glitches here and there and namespaces with your XPath queries happens to be one of them. Um, but once you get over that, the, it, it's really not all that hard. It's actually very easy to, to, to make the switch. I see. Mm. Actually, I did get the SOAP thing to work with the old um, Microsoft SOAP toolkit, but it's deprecated now, and I think you won't even be able to download it in a couple of months. It, oh, yeah. wow. I, I w- it wouldn't surprise me. There's a lot of that stuff that they're, they're just starting yeah. to... Because Microsoft did have um, a com interface for their SOAP library, but apparently it's going out of service soon, so hmm. get it while you can sort of thing. Wow. And I didn't really want to distribute an application that uh, relied on this if it was never going to be supported in the future. So. Well, well, on the bright side, you've obviously got at least one foot in .NET, right? I mean, you listen to the yeah, show, yeah. you're interested, and you know you want to push forward. And the bright side, the really, really bright side, is that this whole Amazon Web Services thing, it'd be like, bang, you know, if you were doing it with .NET. I mean, maybe not like bang, yeah. because you'd sit and stare at the documentation, pull some hair out, sweat a little bit, and get really upset. But after you got done with that part, I'm telling you, man, it's like five minutes, and you will be up and running. Yeah, and then you got to figure cool. out where to put your developer token and, and stuff I actually, like that. I actually did manage to deploy uh, my first .NET application a few weeks ago. And oh, cool. It used uh, the web service. The web service was written in PHP. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I'm just using whatever works. Right. Cool. Well, that's what web service is kind of about, right? I mean, yeah. somebody writes in PHP, and you write your end in .NET, and somebody writes their end in Java, and yep. well, I mean, it's a little confusing, but you know, it, it you was, was talk perfect. To each other. And right. the, the PHP service uh, spit out Wizzle, and uh, the Wizzle program that comes with uh, .NET spit out right. a C sharp class for me. I mean, that, and that, I was up and running. That's the whole thing. I mean, we're all supposed to get along now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris, thanks for calling. And oh, uh, we're going to hold on for a minute. Uh, Jeff's going to get your info, uh, your address, and we're going to send you some .NET Rocks useless crap. Okay, cool. All right. Thanks. And uh, guys, it's about uh, about the hour, so we're going to play some music. And uh, this is a uh, Franklin Brothers tune called Dream Factory. I don't think I played this uh, on the show before, but it's a really good song. And then stick around because after the break, we're going to do Google Weirdos and uh, Linux Vulnerability of the Week. And we even have a new segment. We're going to talk some more with Don XML. So stick around. Gone away the fireflies that I saw from my brother's eyes. Gone away the summers of my dreams. Racing cans down Irving Street Safe and warm in the evening Someone always looking out for me Trade you a steely for that candy bar Sleep in the back of my daddy's car I know he'll tuck me in when we get home To my dream factory To my dream factory
Carl here. Well, we got to pay the bills and uh, just want to talk for a minute about what we're doing here at Franklin's Net. We uh, are currently going gangbusters with our summer schedule for VBNet and ASPNet hands-on week-long classes. And uh, we've observed a little trend here that more people are signing up remotely than are actually taking our classes in person. The remote, uh, the remote option is going over very, very well goes very smoothly. We use a, a tool called Ultra VNC, which is like a way to broadcast a screen to multiple people, full screen, and uh, it's worked out really well. So if you've got a bunch of uh, if you got a bunch of people in your group that you want to train, but you don't want to send them, and you don't have enough to do an on-site class, uh, just set up a 
conference room and a projector and an internet connection and a speakerphone, and you're off to the races. It's a lot of interactivity. Best part is that you get to interact with a class that's happening live. It's not offline stuff. It's interactive. And uh, that's going on now. Details at www.franklins.net. We've had a lot of success with it. I want to talk about Data Dynamics, our friends who've been sponsoring the show now for, geez, ever since uh, January, I think. And um, the reason that we uh, wanted them to be a gold sponsor is uh, we just love their products, and uh, in particular, ActiveReports.net. Like a lot of you, I've struggled with Crystal Reports, uh, its complexity, and, uh, you know, the fact that uh, the .NET version wasn't really .NET, and, you know, it was .NET wrappers on top of com objects, which has the same old deal, hell, crappy issues. and um, So anyway, uh, we checked out ActorReports.net. We heard a lot of good things about it from our students and from other regional directors and MVPs and things. We checked it out, and man, it rocks. What's great about ActorReports.net is that you can design your reports, and they exist with your application. You don't have to go on some other server. You don't have security issues. They just get wrapped in your assembly, and then they get... They get launched and they get run. And you can use reports in a Windows application or on the web. And those reports on the web show up as HTML or, or PDF, Adobe uh, Acrobat format, or just a plain old text. And uh, couldn't be easier. And all great features that you'd expect from reporting. That's at www.datadynamics.com, actorreports.net.
That song was a lot of fun to do. Those were my kids and Jay's kids in there. Hmm. Strawberry milk. Cool. Well, uh, this is the time in our show. We usually do this at the beginning of the show, but we decided to do the Google Weirdos post hour. Weirdos, 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 weirdos. So, what is Google Weirdos, Rory? Google Weirdos for the six people who don't know yet is the the segment that I do on the show where I read some of the Google searches that people have used to get to my site. Most of the time, they get there accidentally, right? I mean, they'll search for, you know, like, princess, die, teapot, or whatever, and they'll get to my site somehow. Um, and I like to comb the logs and find what I consider to be the most interesting, the strangest, strangest. the weirdest, or sometimes just the most, um, how should I put it, you know, like, abusable searches, right? <laughs> you know, like, it could be totally innocent on its own, and then you add a little bit of color, and it's a little bit of fun, right? <laughs> So that, in a nutshell, some need is no intro- some need no no embellishment yeah, they need, whatsoever. Yeah, they, you just get the uh, right? <laughs> and uh, like as cooking lo- with pig milk, right? It was one of those. As a lot of people know, um, also because of the popularity of Google weirdos, or in some circles, the infamy of Google weirdos, uh, people have started contacting me through Google. They'll send me a little message, a little sentence, a little hello, a little goodbye, a little you suck, or whatever, right? And it'll get to my site. They figure out how to form their Google search queries so that they will definitely land on my referral logs. And they know I'm going to look. So uh, it's really kind of cool. So I read those first. And today I've only got a couple. I've actually, I actually got three. But I'm saving the best one for the very last of all the Google weirdos today. Because I got a really good one today. Cool. Let's so here's, hear here's the two shout outs. Rory Blythe, why are you reading these on .NET Rocks? Um, <laughs> just to piss you off, you stodgy <laughs> bastard, right? You know, you don't like it. You know, you can edit the show yourself. You download the MP3. You find the part with Google weirdos. You highlight it in your favorite audio editor. You hit cut, and now you can listen to it. It's been sanitized for your convenience, right? The next one is Rory Moron. (laughs) The next one is Rory Blythe. My pocket is full of love. And uh, I just want to make sure you don't put those pants through the wash without love in there, okay? Because it comes out a little weird, all right? That sounds like a 70s... Uh, bubblegum song you know i got pockets full of love <laughs> yeah well 70s were a creepy time so i guess it all fits all right so moving along those were the shout outs usually there's a lot more but tonight i kind of okay. yeah i glossed over them so the real google weirdos the first one you know some aren't so aren't so weird but the first one is dentist fillings hurt blog you know what i mean like like what's your what's your dentist doing right <laughs> you know these things aren't for blogs you know freaking moron right revoke is dentisting license or whatever it is <laughs> next one is free nude photos of burt reynolds and stephen hawking <laughs> of course you know because we're all sick and tired of those pay sites with burt reynolds and, and, and stephen hawking right i'm sick and tired of having to pay that monthly subscription to get my free nude photos or to get my pay for oh, nude photos That's of stephen hawking sick sick <laughs> yeah moving along we've got um pics of radioactive animals you know, like, would you would you get that close to them if they were radioactive? Would you take a photo? Are they going to look different? Is there going to be a difference? What do you do? You get the family round with a bowl of popcorn. Everybody watch the radioactive animals. You know, freaking weirdos. Next is, how much grease is in hamburgers at McDonald's? And I would turn the tables on this one. I would say, how much hamburger is in the grease at McDonald's? Right? Next one is... um. Neapolian.com or .NET Rocks is cool, but Brandon Wirtz 
bwwords at griffin-digital.com is a god, and we should worship at his feet and send him free stuff or read this on the air. All right, we have a message for Brandon. Fuck you. <laughs> no, no, Brandon, we're going to get you some free stuff. You, I, I am worshiping at your feet as we speak virtually and all that. Yada, yada, yada. I'll make a note of that, and we'll get you some free you know, donkey do or whatever we're sending out. Um, next one is how not to go bald. Uh, I don't hold your breath or I mean, take your hand, <laughs> put your hands on your head and hold down. OK, and now the hair won't fall out. It's not going to go anywhere, but you can't take your hands off. You got to sleep that way, too. Next is sexy wang sheets from Puerto Rico. <laughs> That's one of those where you kind of have to go through and dissect it word by word and see if I mean, I, I don't know what's going on. What is a sexy what's a wang, wang sheet? sheet? What's a anyway? regular wang it's sheet? It's a regular right? wang sheet. Let alone a sexy wang Do you need sheet. a sheet for your wang? And does it need to be sexy? Really? Oh, is that what... It, oh, uh, hmm, moving along. <laughs> this this one's kind of weird, too. Some of them are grammatically a little questionable, I just but so say, are the brains, you, you right? Were, when you were... Before the show, you were looking through the Google Weirdos, trying to pick out the log. You were looking through the logs, right? And you said... Oh my God! What is up with these people tonight? <laughs> so I want to hear the one that prompted a, such a gut reaction from you. Well, there, there was just a, it, it was just the general weirdness level tonight, right? So the pretty ne- high. The next one is pretend hot primate walking. <laughs> you know, and why make believe, right? Why not make your dreams come true? You know, doesn't just Go have to be gusto. a daydream. Yeah, exactly. Seize the moment. Next one is ass recorder. <laughs> I mean, what is that? Is that like, you know, you play a recorder, that, that, that kind of flute thing, but is it for the other end? It must be. Oh, An ass recorder. Somebody's probably made it, too. That's the really sick thing, right? Lepetoman Industries. really popular at frat parties and things. Ass recorder. But here is my favorite. This might, this might actually be my favorite Google weirdos search ever because it is the most relevant, most poignant, cleverest, and most... It's good. All right. This is this is sort of a shout out, but it's not just to me. Rory, tell Don XML he needs to come home and take out the garbage. <laughs> you got to thank my wife for that one. So speaking of your wife, what's her what's her URL? SQLDiva.com. So SQLDiva.com. Just want to make sure. I mean, anybody who gets a search like that in definitely gets a shout. Yeah. SQL uh, Diva. I met met your wife, actually, at Dev Connections in Orlando. We were both walking to the elevator. She said something about Rory, and I said, oh, yeah, yeah. And she goes, she knew I didn't recognize her. And she said, I'm Mrs. Don XML. (laughs) Mrs. XML to you, right? She said, I'm Mrs. Don XML. I swear to God. I still don't know her first name. (laughs) Melissa. Okay. But, and she goes, Rory was Carl's booth babe. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You were. That was, that was a lot of fun, actually. I had never gotten to really like try to sell anything before, you know, and I don't know if I sold anything. I stamped a lot of cards and I only made one person angry. So I think I did a decent (laughs) job, right? Yeah, you were good. It was a success. It was uh, before KB, my office. Uh, she the actually real, runs the company, yeah. KB. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Um, we're just a figurehead here. And uh, yeah, she hadn't gotten there yet. And Rory and I were stamping cards that came by the booth at the exhibit eating hall. Eating cake. Basically yeah. eating cake. Heckling and, the, the potential customers. Yeah. But Carl, you got something new going on this week, right? Yeah, actually I do. And it's it has to do with email. Uh, it's, a, it's a segment called Dumb Emails. Before I get to that, I really got to 
speaking of dev connections, I have to read this email that I got. A little exchange I had with Michelle LaRue Bustamante, and she oh, was no. <laughs> she was a guest on the show um long time ago. She's gonna come back again. And um anyway, I was see I was doing this user group tour and then I went down there on Thursday and the show didn't really start till down to Sunday. Orlando. Right. Yeah, I was I was in Orlando on Thursday. Because I was done with my user group tour on Wednesday, and I didn't want to fly home, stay one day or two days, and then fly to Orlando. I figured I might as well just sew it all into one trip. Excuse me. So I got there Thursday. Show didn't start till Sunday. Basically had a couple of days to lounge around and, and have fun. So I wanted to know if anybody else, speaker-wise or show-wise, was there. So I sent out an email to all the speakers and you know the people at the show and stuff, and I said, I'm, I'm here a little bit early. Subject, I'm here. I'm here a bit early in my room, room number. I'm going to spend some time swimming and soaking if anyone's interested. Recording .NET Rocks here for my room tomorrow if you want to come down and hang out. You know, Carl. And the only one who responded was Michelle, and she said, good for you, exclamation. Good for you. So I'm like, I said in her back, I said, Hey, you sound like my kindergarten teacher looking at my finger painting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> good for you, Paul. Oh, that's good. Good for you. She wrote me back. She says, and I, I'm quoting this. Well, what I wanted to say is, quote, f***ing prick. While I sit at my computer on a beautiful day, neck stiff, fingers raw from typing for weeks on end, why don't you just go ahead and lie by the pool? F*** you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> She's great. Well, anyway, uh, that's sort of an intro into our into our segment. Now, uh, first of all, this segment has its own theme song. It's about dumb emails and the dumb emails we all receive. I've received hundreds of dumb emails from people I've worked for or customers that were clueless or, you know, not, I'm not talking about spam. I'm talking about somebody who knew you who wasn't supposed to be dumb but is sending you an email that's just dumb so much that you have to share it with people. And uh, we want to we want to kick it off with this theme song right here. What's up with this dumb shit? go that was the entire theme song we'll probably pare it down a little Cut bit it down a little yeah <laughs> yeah it's a little long you know it's a minute and 25 seconds but you know we wanted to just first kick it time off. just to kick yeah. off the whole thing right want to yeah. get some excitement about this dumb shit so <laughs> <laughs> uh 
So I basically we put out some feelers on the blogs and you know to mailing lists and stuff, and we got a few people to uh, send us some emails. First person who sent uh, sent us something was Avanel uh, from Code Poetry, affordable software masterpieces at www.coolbits.nu. Uh, who says, I'm sorry to say I can't forward any dumb emails as I have purged most of the emails I received when I worked for my former employer. However, I can tell you that once I received an email from the receptionist warning us that, quote, the Internet is down. (laughs) (laughs) The whole thing. Somebody somebody must have tripped on the cord, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Internet is down. In Connecticut, maybe. (laughs) That did happen, though. Yeah, that was a lame thing this week, but yeah. So uh, my friend in uh, Tim Huckabee, for a fellow RD, and we all know Tim, uh, he's been on the show a couple times, he said, I, I, I was IMing him, right? And I noticed him on IM, and I say, hey, we're doing this dumb email thing. Got anything? He comes back immediately, I just got one today. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So this one um, where he, he got an email from his neighbor, and in town, in his neighborhood, he's like Mr. Computer Guy, right? Anything goes wrong with any computer in his ta- in his neighborhood. They all get on his uh, case and call him. So so this was sent by a neighbor. Hey, I keep getting an error message on the ESPN site. It says, quote, a runtime error has occurred. Do you wish to debug? Line 550, error, ZSR is undefined. What should I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what should I do? Um I don't know what he responded, but it must have been funny. <laughs> this one uh, is an exchange that took place between a customer and the VIP and the VP, the vice president of sales of a software utility company who shall remain nameless. We'll call the customer Joe. We'll call the VP Bob. And let's call the product Zoog. So, dear Joe, I would like to thank you for downloading a trial version of Zoog. If during your evaluation you encounter any type of problems, please feel free to contact me at the numbers below or via email, and I will be able to help you with any sales or technical-related issues. We also offer a free online support site and news group that you are always entitled to use during your evaluation period. This site can be accessed at and URL. I am eager to know how your evaluation is progressing and your personal impression about Zoog. I would also like to remind you that we offer an extensive line of advanced Zoog-like products, and if you are looking for a specific feature, please let me know so I can point you in the right direction. Once again, we thank you for taking the time to evaluate our Zoog tools. Sincerely, Bob, VP of Sales. So he wrote back and he said, Dear Bob, we are current Zoog customers and have been investigating Zoog Plus for, for a few weeks now. Our investigation has gone well, and we are pleased with the results. I would like to get I would like to request purchasing information for Zoog Plus as well as information about the new Ultimate Suite. And we're just sort of making that up. We did notice that you had a promotion that included a free add-on utility with Zoog Plus. Is this promotion still available? Thanks, Joe. So Joe writes back, and uh this this is obviously a handwritten note from from Bob. Um Bob writes back. Joe, we are no longer offering the free add-on, comma, that offer ended at the end of December, comma, I can offer you a 30% discount on your order with a valid serial number from the Zoog Internet 5.5 product. Bob. So he writes back, what about the new Ultimate Suite? I would like some more information on this product. And here's the kicker. Now, this isn't a dumb email, but this is the VP of sales. And I'm going to include the the, the punctuation or lack thereof. The ul- Joe, the ultimate suite should be released at the of the first quarter, comma, 
this is for development only, comma, you will still need to buy a production product when you go to deploy, comma, also this ultimate suite will be machine depended, comma. It can only be installed on one machine and the application will have to run from that machine as well. <laughs> He's the VP of sales. <laughs> I like to install on one machine and actually run it from another. But if it's machine depended, then, you know. I mean... <laughs> and there you have it. The dumb emails. <laughs> <laughs> So we didn't get very many dumb emails this time, but we will. And I'd encourage everybody to send them to .net rocks at franklins.net. And, uh, and we'll, we promise to uh, keep that going. So on the line with us, apparently, is uh, Scott Watermazik. I just got this note from Jeff that Scott called, and uh, he wanted to sort of talk to us. And, and Scott Watermazik, for those of you who don't know, wrote .text, the, the blog engine that uh, I'm using on my blog, which is at weblogs.asp.net. And uh, an all-around guru. Hey, Scott. How's it going? How are you? Pretty good. And I was a little afraid I was going to be on for the for the dumb email thing. I was trying to think what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I should have gotten this uh, more clarification at first. Yeah. Well, Don's here. Hey, Scott. How's it going, Don? Jersey in the house, man. Always. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Rory. And and Joe Grenier is here as well. How's it going, Joe? <laughs> he doesn't have a mic though, so he just he gave it a shot. <laughs> so what are you doing? Uh, not much. Just got back from uh, from Mexico for a week, so just getting caught up on email and blogs and bastard and work. And... <laughs> so what's Mexico like this time of year? I bet it's beautiful. Yeah, it's uh, hot and sweaty. You know, it's, it's it's humid and but but beautiful. You know. Every day. Yeah. Were you in any particular part or just in all of Mexico? I was in uh, Cancun. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Sweet. Geez. All right. Yeah. Well, let's just Dirty not talk bastard. about that anymore. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> it was a tough week. Really? <clears throat> so, uh, so what's, uh, you've been listening to the show? Yeah. Cool. Uh, so what do you think? So far, so good. You know, lots of, lots of XML. Yeah. So when's the next uh, release of Dot Text? Oh, hopefully sometime in the summer. Sometime in the summer. Yeah. I love it, by the way. If I haven't said so, I love it. I use it all the time, obviously. It's great. Actually, we've been getting, I know I have been getting, and I'm sure you guys, uh, lots of spam. Yeah. I I know that's one of the big uh, things that we've been talking about trying to upgrade. Yeah, I mean, there's really, there's, there's no perfect plan except for, you know, to require everybody to, you know, register for, for posting comments and that kind of stuff, which is great on a, you know, on a big community site where you can register once and post comments to, you know, probably about a summer, a thousand or 1200 blogs. But, uh, you know, to register for every single blog out there to, to leave comments is kind of, you know, it Pain just won't back. happen. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, it was it four weeks ago, five weeks ago, that one guy just went through and just. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not a bring that one up and give them incentive to do it again yeah but yeah no it, it's it's tough with you know with so many people using the same application and, it's very you know, tough it, it makes it work you know makes it worth your effort to uh to, you know to put something up against it hmm. so scott um what do you do besides uh dot text what's your what do you do for a day that job, is my job no i'm kidding <laughs> um <laughs> i we work, wish right yeah i wish it would it would be fun um no i work for a small software company in uh, princeton uh, developing, I guess you call it decision support applications. Cool. All written in uh all all written in ASP.NET. So 
Oh, sweet. Actually, Scott, I mean, I mean, I've heard this story before, and some of the listeners out there might have. But uh, just tell everybody, you know, how did you come up with that text? Yeah, I haven't heard this story, so I, I haven't either. I was, at, you know, I have a like a small community ASP.NET site that uh, I had going for a little bit, and you know, after a while, of not posting articles and that kind of stuff, you know, because it took a lot of time to get up there. I was looking at some different blog software, and I looked at radio and, you know, and a couple other things and kind of one of the things I wanted was just quick instant access from wherever I was. So I, you know, I created two pages, one to display post and one to make post with. I did it, you know, one night, probably not this Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving before and probably spent like two or three hours on it, you know, one night and just put it together and, and ran with it for a couple of days. And once it was up, I started getting, you know, emails, you know, constantly asking for the, the source code for my blog application and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I just slowly started pulling out into its own application and it, it just grew from this, this little thing, you know, that I did, you know, a couple hours of one night to this huge project that, you know, I've probably spent, you know, tons of free time over the last year working with and that it's now, you know, hosted on some, you know, Microsoft sites and according to Technorati, you know, there's, 4,000 or so, you know, blogs out there using it. I mean, basically, you came up with the idea and started writing it over Thanksgiving weekend. And it was basically up and running by the end of the weekend, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, with no, with, I've had a, you know, a ton of ideas over the last couple of years that have kind of, you know, turned into nothing. And this is something where I really didn't have an idea to begin with. I just, it was just a need that I had. You know, I just, I needed, you know, a quick way and, uh, you know, using, you know, everything was ASP.NET at the time, using ASP.NET to, to make these quick, you know, make quick entries and, uh, you know, make quick little posts and wrote, you know, a little XML feed for it and that kind of stuff. And it just grew into whatever it is now. Cool. So looking back over the whole process, what was the toughest thing? Like in terms of technical challenges, what was the toughest thing that you, that, that you faced and that you dealt with and that you're kind of proud of? I wouldn't even say technically it was the anything tough the, the hardest thing was just releasing the source code for the you know for the first time hmm. you know because there was taking all your screw this comments out and stuff like that <laughs> yeah that and just you know setting yourself up for you know a bunch Getting of people attacked, right. that are going to you know rate you based on that you know yeah. so so far i mean i'd say of all the of all the comments i've gotten i've probably gotten you know two negative comments i got someone recently who wasn't very happy with the the lack of a you know an installer or anything like that but, uh, but other than that, you know, everything's been positive. But <laughs> any time you release, you know, it, it, at different times, it's fluctuated anywhere from like ten to twenty thousand, I guess, lines of code where there was no, you know, it was never really mapped out. Like I said, it just it kept getting bigger and bigger huh. and bigger. But I never sat down and said, okay, this is going to be my object model, and this is how I'm going to do this, and I'm going to name this like this, and it's going to be consistent. You know, so so right, things change, and there was SQL scripts to update, and you know, all sorts of stuff. So. It's Anytime three. It's three o'clock in the morning. Basement coding, right? I mean, you're yeah. you're, you're a hobbyist and you're doing your thing and you're having a good time and you're cranking this stuff out. You know. Yep. I mean, it's exactly. open source. I mean, right. it, you're doing it for fun. You're not getting paid for it. It's not going to be perfect, but correct. Uh, but you know, there. Um, I imagine you know someday some employer could look at you know all sorts of stuff like that. So hmm. that was the the biggest thing figuring right. out when I wanted to let you know people beside you know I had some friends that have seen it you know, in much worse stages than it's in now for, for quite a while. But just trying to decide when to let the whole world see it. I mean, you know, hmm. blogging, and it's, and like I said, you can do it realistic. I mean, you can do it in a page or two. I mean, it, it's not, that it, you know, to get the basics, there's not there's not too much to it. 
I mean, I I know a lot of people that are actually using .text to actually learn HTTP handlers and and the rewriting and stuff. I mean, it's a great example. I mean, it works. You know what it does. Well, that's what I keep saying over and over again. It's not a... It's not a best practice. You know, it works. No, no, it's not a best practice. But I mean, how much is hey, out it there works, in the right? world? Yeah. Well, and this is how best practices evolve, anyway, right? You come with an implementation, then you refine it, and eventually, one day, somebody says, "Well, we could probably clean up this and nick this corner here, and oh, bang, yeah, we got a yeah. best practice." So, yeah, no, I mean, it gets. Yeah. Pheno- I think it gets phenomenally better with you know with each release and right. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you, Scott. Um, Don introduced you and, and portrayed you as you came up with this idea. Mm-hmm. Did did you invent the blog, or is this was just this? Your... Oh God, no, no. Blogging, you know, blogging had been around for you know, quite a while. I'm sure uh, the first blog I'd ever seen was actually at my old. Like I said I used to have this uh, community site, and I think uh, Sam Gentile had linked to me at one point in time, and I was mm. like, you know, what the heck is this thing? Mm. And you know, and then after you know, I read that a little bit more and found you know found a couple other ones. You know, I just I really. I just didn't find any, you know, any that were written in .NET or you know using ASP.NET. So they started in what Unix, I guess, or yeah, um, I guess Sam and those guys were using Radio. So Radio, you know, you can use on oh Userland, yeah, yeah, that's where it really started. Platform, you know? So Userland started, yeah, basically Dave and Dave. Uh, Weiner. Weiner. In, in terms of that. in terms of organized blogging, right? Because yeah. before the blog, we had uh, we had the I'm gonna put up a new piece of information sure. about, my, about my big dumb drooly dog every yeah. day thing, right? And yeah. we just called it a website. But until and, RSS, it really wasn't a blog. Yeah. Right? yeah. The difference yeah. between a blog and a personal website is I think most blogs don't have site counters on them. Yeah. You know, that's really kind of what it comes down to. You know? <laughs> oh, <Organized Rory>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, the other thing, I mean, Scott, I mean, you hadn't been, you know, coding for, you know, that many years. I mean, you're still a pretty young guy. I mean, well, you've been in the business, what, three years now? Uh, a little longer than that. A little longer wanna... than that. But, I mean, it's three years now. I mean, basically, I mean, you were still, you know, wet behind the ears when it, it, we trying to code some of that .NET stuff, and it was a great learning tool. Just goes Trial to show fire. you, man. Yeah. Just goes to show you get a great tool, and you get a little inspiration. You get somebody to connect the dots, like Bob uh, Russellman was saying, you know, and that's all it takes. Yeah. Nope. So, Scott, again, going back over it, like, as opposed to technical challenges that you overcame, is there anything that you would take away from .text where – you you came up with a good idea or anything you'd want to re-implement anywhere else or use in another application thing where you just said, hey, man, you know, that was a cool way to have done that particular thing. Hmm. Uh, or is this all just, this is like stuff you keep in the closet and then when you go to work by day, you're like wearing the suit and, you know, you're very clean cut <laughs> and everything and you know nothing day? about that weird stuff that's going on in the basement at night, right? No, I mean, it for, I mean, for my, the, you know, for the company I work with and that kind of stuff, it's a, uh, it's a great place to, you know, the test and see, you know, how well does mm-hmm. this perform without, you know, without really having to sit down and do, you know, do a bunch of performance tests and, you know, do a bunch of case studies and those kinds of things. Just to kind of roll it out there and, you know, and just, just see how things go and see how easy it is to, you know, the, to, you know, to kind of carry on the ideas and the themes and, you know, and those kinds of things. Jeff, uh, the sound man has a question. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to actually ask all of you guys um, a question. Um, it's actually a two-part question. Um, I was using uh, a, a sort of semi-blog site. You've probably all heard of LiveJournal, the sort of crazy blog community, 10 jillion users. And um, I noticed that they had implemented an image generation thing to stop people from doing spamming. Um, and you know, a lot of companies are doing this now you know, on their sites. When you sign up or when you do whatever, you have to you know, type in the stuff that's been generated by a, a difficult-to-decode text image. Um, and you know, what I was wondering is... 
as as heavy blog users, how would you feel about having to do like a three or four letter image every post that you make, or sorry, every comment that you make? And how hard is it to to write something? Ten lines of code. Ten lines of code. Ten lines of code. It already exists. Someone already has like a pretty nifty, you know, free component, I believe, that you can use to to you know Hmm. to implement. I've done it myself. Yeah, I mean, this is a discussion I've had with you know with tons of people. What's the what's the best way to 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 kind of limit spam? And still allow you know a, you know a very active community participation. Yeah. Would it prevent any of you guys from making a post if there's a uh, you know if there's a, a or making a uh, making a reply a comment to a, a blog? Actually, yeah, Scott and I discussed this at the MVP summit. I mean, the API, the comment API, will break that right away. Yeah, I mean that's it's like that's so that's one of the things I use commonly. I mean, I've been using now for the last couple of months. I've been using RSS Bandit as a I guess my my aggregate you know aggregator of choice at the moment and. For the biggest reason in that it supports, you know, a common API so that I don't have to visit your blog to make a post. But then again, I mean... Yeah, we like that. Yeah, but then again, there's, you know, right now there's no authentication on it. You know, there's... Actually, but, I hate saying this on the radio, you know, or on the, <laughs> on the internet, <laughs> but, but it's really, it's a, it's a really open system. So it's... But Jeff, the server could take, use that API... And in between the point at which it takes the comment and saves it to the database, could turn it into an image and save the image URL or whatever in the database. So yeah, it can be done. I mean, you could enhance the API. You, you know, can enhance the API, you know. right? And that's one of the benefits of it being such a small community. I mean, Scott and myself, and we know Dare and and Clemens, and we could actually Clemens Vasters and Clemens Vasters, and and together. You know, they could actually bang something out and get something working on the on the .NET world and .NET side. But then, you know, will LiveJournal or Radioland yeah, be able right. to I mean, use it's, that? It's still, I mean, blog, I mean, blogging has gotten you know quite popular in the last year in the .NET you gotta have world, a blog but, but it's much bigger than the. In, you know, than just the .NET world. Oh, um, definitely don't mention the blog summit. I mean, we tried to have a blog BOF uh, at the PDC, and it just <laughs> turned no, no, into... No. I mean, a behind-closed-doors yeah. summit between Clements and Scott and... and well... <laughs> Sam Gentilly. All right, I wasn't there, so I take it it was volatile. Yeah, it was Lots fun. of alcohol. It was entertaining. Yeah, entertaining is the right word for it. So let's do a total 180 here. Okay. You, want, you guys want to talk a little bit of Longhorn and XAML and stuff like that? Sure. Because, cool? sure. I mean, I know, Don, like, you're you're SVG guy, you mm-hmm. know, to a certain extent, right? I mean, the first time I ever heard you speak... What is that, That's a, That's a good... Yeah. It, it's scalable vector graphics, which is a W3C... Metafiles. Um, metafiles, basically. It, it's vector graphics done... It's also VML. Okay. Actually, VML was a precursor. Okay. Or PostScript is also a, a you know another precursor to what SVG was all about. Is this the stuff that you could do in Internet Explorer six with a on the client where you could actually draw lines and things in JavaScript? That's for VML. Um, you could do that in actually IE five O was the first one that you yeah, could do it. Okay. But it's the it, they Microsoft hasn't really done anything with it since they released it in five O. I actually used it in five O. <laughs> so yeah. so did I. Um, yeah. Scalable vector graphics is the W three C standard version. Cool. Uh, um, for you know self describing. Uh, graphics using vector graphics, uh, and it leads right into XAML. Right, yeah, and Longhorn. And Longhorn, but and the thing I want to make sure that make clear to everybody out there is XAML is not just vector graphics. I don't even believe we've we've defined XAML. I mean, we talked to Don point, Box yeah. on Don Box's show. 
but uh, we've been talking about it on this show without defining it. So what is XAML? Yeah, go to town. XAML basically is just a declarative way to wire up .NET objects together. All right, so what is XAML, really? Uh, so It stands for XML <laughs> Application... I mean, I know, but what... Something, something, yeah. <laughs> it, basically, um, what they were trying to do... Um, way back in the day, <laughs> back in, in IE5.0, Microsoft had something called... Um, actually, uh, attached behaviors. And then in IE5.5, they actually rolled out this thing called element behaviors, which basically... A, you could actually create your own tags within IE and have a one script file associated with it. So, so you could actually roll up, you know, like pieces of HTML all into one script file and, and create your own tags, which was a really, really cool idea at the time. And you could do it through script, which is what element behaviors was all about. Or if you were a C++ guy, um, they actually exposed, you know, through Let's, com. Let me roll back just a little bit because you're going into details. I think I haven't quite got the big picture. I have, okay. but the listener, my listener's ear. So XAML, client-side technology for not for web, all right? This is not for web browser-based applications. Am I right? Uh, yes and no. Okay. But XAML, I, I was, I'm told that XAML is for creating Windows apps. It's for creating Windows apps. But in a Windows Forms, Windows Forms in a HTML-like way, right? But it doesn't run in the browser, is what I'm Define saying. Define a browser. Yeah, Internet Explorer. No, it doesn't run in Internet Explorer. Yes. But what if your operating system was a browser? Uh, but it's not. <laughs> well, with integration, I mean, to a certain extent, you could stream XAML right across right, the but wire. Let's right? talk. Let's let's boil it down here without getting philosophical. You're talking <laughs> basically. It's a client-side way to define with XML tags UI elements like forms, controls, declaratively that turn into what looks like, let's say, a Windows application. Oh, it, sort of like ASP.NET for WinForms. Yeah, that's exactly okay. what it there, is. There you go. It's that's the ASP.NET model for WinForms. Good. And it just happens to be that it's also serializable and you could push it over an HTTP if you really wanted to. Right, but if you're in the elevator and somebody says, what's XAML? You know, That's they don't know anything is. about it's it. It's ASP.NET yeah. for WinForms. Cool. All right, now, we're, the now, models now going to back to what you were talking about before, you know, where is your operating system a browser, whatever. So it's obviously extensible to the point where it's just data. It's just stuff. There's going to have to be something that interprets that and then creates the Windows form but the XAML is just the declarative facts and figures, to use your terminology, to to build that thing. You, you bet. Just like we do in HTML right now. Right. Um, and basically, what I was talking about with the, the element behaviors was the precursor to a lot of what they're doing with XAML. But they, at the time, they wanted to do that in IE. But... It just didn't work. I mean, it's not secure enough. It's not robust enough. You actually really needed a whole environment to be able to do what they really wanted to do. Yeah. Um, there was a time when when Microsoft originally released uh, IE 6.0, they had declared that ActiveX controls in IE were dead and that, that, they, that they recommended that everybody switch over to this binary behavior format instead. They have since dropped that request. But it is, if you go back and look, that was the way that they were trying to extend IE hmm. at the time, where you would be able to add your own namespace, 
link it to an object and right. have your own elements within it. Sweet. Well, that is what XAML is all about right now, mm. except that you don't have all the, the crazy architecture and trying to run within IE. Right. And so far, the only implementation we know of XAML is on Longhorn? Uh, or do we have something for XP too? Just for Longhorn from Microsoft. Yeah. There are some clones out there. Um, right, yeah, I've seen some of those. Some are open source, some are not. Um, they're out there to try to do the exact same thing, where they see a market for the for the XP and for Mono and a lot of other places that you would do you would want to do the ASP.NET model. I, I mean, why wait for Longhorn to come out? There's a lot right. of people who are saying, you know, this would be good right here, right now. Let's go and try and do it. Um, I don't know if that's the case. Um, there's a lot of low level stuff that would be involved. And, and that ties into my sh the Sharp Vector Graphics uh, project, the open source project. Um, we were trying to do very much the same type of thing where we had to take SVG and use it as our vector graphics language to tie into GDI Plus or, or, or DirectX and be able to create our own widgets from there. Um, and it just, it, I thought it was a heck of a lot easier than it turned out to be. Wow. <laughs> Scott, you yeah. still there? Yes, I'm still here. Have you done any work with XAML? No, not a, not at all. Or hmm. even Longhorn, for that matter. No, I still, I still live in a web world, you know. So everything is a, still revolves around you know ASP.NET and ASP.NET 2.0 and that kind of stuff. I gotta admit, I haven't uh, done much with Longhorn yet. I'm waiting for uh, the next beta, yeah, the, the next, first yeah. beta, really. Yeah, no, I, you know, I have a, I had a nice little machine to set up on it, and just the drivers just went crazy on me. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for. You know, for the next one, I had too many other things. I read the book, actually. I read, uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Brent Rector. Brent Rector's Longhorn book. For, okay, yeah. Longhorn for developers. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was a great book. Yeah. Brent Rector's book. I, I, and I know of, uh, I have two friends of mine from the Northwest region who, who definitely wanted to take XAML in all new, certain new directions and sent me an email asking me if I knew of any SVG porn because they wanted to convert it. <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, they wanted God. to convert it so, so they could say that they had the first XAML porn out there. I won't mention any oh, names, but they know who they are. Two guys <laughs> from the Northwest who are into XAML. <laughs> yeah. My question was, is why are they asking me for SVG porn? Is that because they know that I know SVG or they know you're a dog. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't know, but well, no, I mean, as far as, as far as Amos concerned though, Don, um, I know that you're probably some of the stuff that I read, like you did, you did that uh, animation demo with the clock mm -hmm. that was sort of ported from SVG. Isn't that what it was? Yeah, uh, basically ported it. Yep. Now in terms of how close SVG and XAML are, what was it just like a find and replace or I mean, like, are you talking about the clock in Longhorn? No, 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 no. We this did the is, same thing, yeah. but, all in XAML, okay. which actually, what happened actually is I showed my wife Longhorn and she saw the clock. She said, hey, that's your clock. I'm like, oh, I totally forgot that we wrote that. And wow. It is basically, you know, looked a lot like what we had, had so done. So you think they saw it and said, oh, no, 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 I don't oh, think so. They okay. just, I mean, a clock is a clock. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. But I said, hey, that's a great idea. Why don't I port that? And it, it did go over re relatively easily, but... But that's only because you know um, they used a lot of the same ideas, right? Um, but the whole it, world went nuts for the sample. Yeah, it, I mean, it just was it, because it's a new way of thinking 
um, the declarative animation is so cool because you, you as a programmer don't have to set up your time containers. You don't have to set up that looping. All you have to say is, I want this to happen from this time to this time, and I, and I want this to be adjusted, which is really cool because then all you have to focus in on is on that what you want it to do, not how you want it to do it. And um, that animation that they did in XAML is very, very, very similar to Smile, which is called synchronous multimedia uh, interface language, which is also mm. another W3C. Tell me about that. What's that? That sounds interesting. It's it's something f- that you would probably really get into. It, it, it's for synchronizing multiple uh, namespaces, basically. Um, uh, multiple multiple multimedia operations, huh. so that you could actually you know have a slideshow and a slide deck running, and then you know at certain time points highlight different text or have the text running and or audio video that type of stuff. It's it's just a not really nice model for for working with animations and working with uh, multimedia. And so I could play a movie from this. Place, place and then play something else from and this have place it automatically have it sync with sync the, the 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 text. Uh, so for like hearing huh. impaired, wow, um, hmm. it's built into IE and it has been since IE five and it's built into a lot of other like real audio and stuff. Hmm. And it's another declarative language that works really really well and happen to use XML. Um, but if you look at the object model, the object model is is very very similar to what they're doing in in Avalon, and that's just because I mean it works and it's it's a great way of doing things. And as a, a as a graphic artist, you don't want your graphic artists having to worry about the bits and bytes of how how to set up time containers. You just want to be able yeah. to have them declaratively set, and it works out really well. So so Don, I, I get XAML from like the point of view of how to use it, and how to set something up, and put together a UI. But I'm a little bit animation stupid, right? So can you describe, like, what is a time container? When you say time container, what do you mean exactly? Uh, basically, a time container says, um, I want this particular thing to happen um, on this timeline. Okay. Uh, and you could say, I want, it to, I want to, you know, rotate the, in the clock, rotate this arm, uh, this hand from 12 degrees all the way back, I mean, from from 12, from zero degrees, all the way around back to zero over an hour. Okay. And so that you don't actually have to write all the code to actually manipulate the the hand to move it along. It'll do that for you. It'll figure mm. out, do all the division, do all the math, and also integrate with your um, your your monitor. So that the refresh rates are all optimized wow. and when it, things paint and when things don't paint. You've got some stuff on your website about that. You, you bet. Ed. Yeah. So, so when we're dealing with, I mean, the clock is actually a really good example for a question that I have. You know, you have a minute hand, you have a second hand, you've, you've got an hour hand, right? So is this timeline um, sort of like a general kind of parent of, of these things? How does it work? Do you define the timeline, then you define the objects inside of it, or what, what's going you on You define the timeline and what it can do, and then timelines themselves can have children timelines. So okay. you could have stuff mm. occurring within it. Um, I, actually, the first one, first example that I always give everybody is the, um, the, the, the streetlight example. Where it set it sets up to where it has a a um, a red light, and then after you know ten seconds it goes to yellow for right. two seconds, and then goes to green. So why wouldn't we use flash? 
you could very <laughs> you could very it, much. It sounds like Flash, basically, is what you're. But Flash isn't declarative. That's the that's yeah. It's the also problem. not Microsoft. Oh, wow, well, and but, it's got uh, that action even, script uh, stuff uh, that's all messy. That, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. The problem, and, and I'm not even. That's true. Uh, actually, the, that's the, a great point, Roy. It's got this action script stuff that I don't know if you ever used it. I've tried it, and it's not it's not cool, man. And it's it doesn't. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> no C sharp. You know? It doesn't understand XML. That's the problem with Flash. So what's cool with XAML is you can declare your 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 stuff in a XAML file, and you can connect that to a DLL, to an assembly in C Sharp or VBNet, and you can program your animation or whatever you want to do with uh, with your programming language. Yeah, now the, the only reason I bring up the animation and stuff so much is that we're seeing all these really cool Longhorn apps coming out. Now the reference yeah. stuff, like the medical industry, the real estate stuff, and... If we're really going to want to be able to do that, we're going to have to know about these timelines and about how to do animations and about how to do all the multimedia stuff because we're going to finally start writing the apps that we've been seeing on TV and movies for the past 20 years, actually, right? us as programmers, we're not going to have to worry about it. It's really? actually this brand new uh, career is these graphic artists where we're going to wa- where we're going to have a contract with the graphic artist and we're going to say, you know, we're going to have these elements on the page. Oh, won't there be like tools built around this kind of stuff? You I mean, bet. I mean, that's the whole idea that Microsoft is working on a tool to do that, to, to basically define that interface, to <laughs> define that contract. Dave from the chat room says it's a whole lot easier just to look at your wristwatch. <laughs> <laughs> but what if, Smart spot, ass. what if it was a spot watch? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good question. So, so that's kind of interesting. So it kind of blurs the line between developer and... Uh, I mean, even it well, sounds to me the, even more so than like a web designer and a graphic, graphic artist. A they're going to be more artist. tightly integrated, right? You bet. I mean, that was at the PDC. They did show with Adobe, uh, you know, basically where the graphic artists would go and do their magic, and then the programmers wow. go behind the scene and wire it all up, and they let the two uh, different groups go and do their thing, and then come together at the end and create something that's really cool. See, that's really kind of scary to me. And what I'm hoping is that by the time this happens, we have a big stack of contracts set up that are just very skewed to screw the hell out of the graphic designer. All right? Because I don't need any more competition for my job, right? <laughs> you so. want to well, think thin out. They, they're, they're not even competition to me. I mean, they're the guys who, who probably will get a lot of the credit. They're the guys who will make your app look Pretty. Don, are you familiar with the term control freak? <laughs> Wait, I have a, I have a knock-knock joke. Ready? Knock-knock. Who's yeah, there? who's there? Control freak. Okay, now you say control freak who? <laughs> control freak who? Yeah, you get it. <laughs> All right. That's, that's pretty good, yeah. yeah. So what do you know about sparkle? It's not sparkle. dishwashing liquid. liquid. Sparkle. sparkle. Yeah. What do I know about sparkle that yeah. I can say on here? Oh. Yeah, uh-oh. That's, what I know. that's what I mean. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh great! Ooh. Well, there's your answer. Somebody asked that in the. Uh, in the uh, um, you can just peruse the NDA, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, but uh, you know, flash killer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had something in my something in my throat. Um. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. What uh, have you heard about LearningXML.com? You bet. <laughs> What's that all about? LearningXML.com is, is a website that. Uh, some of the XML MVPs are put together to, to actually deal with the morts, to help the morts learn XML and best practices. Let's call them beginners. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm just a mort. Yeah. I'm a mort with a big mouth yeah. uh, and yeah. a blog. Everybody's a mort at something, right? You something bet. that you do for your job that you don't care about particularly. You bet. I mean, I'm just there to have some fun and, and, and show everybody 
uh, you know, what I think is right. That doesn't mean it is right. It just is what I think is right. Um, the learning XML site is, is something that we've been pushing to teach, you know, the, the average programmer how to use XML and some best practices. And that was one of the complaints that, that Dare has been trying to uh, solve or resolve is that there is no real best practices for working with XML. Uh, well, the toughest thing with XML is just figuring out where to start. I mean, I know Scott has asked me, you know, where, what, what book should I buy? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. it's it's tough in the XML world because there's so many beginner books and you don't really know what anyone does. And, and a lot of them, by the time you finish, it just says, and that's what an element is, right? <laughs> and well, yeah, but what do I do with it? You know, so what's step two, right? Uh, that, that's <laughs> basically it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's so one of the things that we're doing is creating some some projects like um the data access layer that that I know Rory and I have been talking about where they would be able to to look at it and say okay this is the best way to get uh data out of a database and expose it as XML you know should I be using a data reader should I use an XML reader should I be using to uh, SQL XML should, you know what should I be doing I, I don't know I just you know there's no code out there. You know, what's the performance implications of using X versus Y? And, and a lot of that work hasn't been done. And, and that's one of the things that we're trying to do is to show people that. Uh, Jeff Julian is uh, listening and he says, Don, I hear you're working with Ineta now on their framework. That, and we're also, you know, taking a lot of the stuff that we're, we're putting in the learning XML into the Ineta framework. What is the Ineta framework? Uh, basically, Ineta is... Um, the International .NET Users yep. Association, yep. And, and we're redoing their their whole architecture so that they can um, use it for their corp their international site, but then also have regional versions lying around so that you know they can um, roll it out to to the to the Asian groups, okay. and, right. and localize it, but still not have to code it from scratch. Yeah. You know, we talked on the show with uh, Harry Pearson. I don't know if you heard that show. Mm -hmm. We were talking about the the in integral problems of data types and XML and, you know, tying it to particular machines and everything. And Harry mentioned, you know, I've given up. He says, I've given up trying to, you know, type, strongly type XML or data types or whatever. What's what's been your experience with that? I totally agree with them. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, you're not even talking data types across platforms. I'm talking trying to deal on the same platform on yeah. the same platform. Or you, uh, one of the big things you know that I'm running into right now is working with SQL Server, and we're we're working with um, um, lookup tables. Uh, yeah, look up, static lookup tables. Well, you know, if I have a static lookup table, why is it a table in my database? Because it's really a type. Right. But I can't declare it as a type. Yeah. Hmm. And, and and so I'm hardwiring it into my database. I'm, then I'm going to hardwire it into my, my middle tier with enums. And then I have an XML schema that's out there that hmm. it's hardwired into there. Hey, this isn't cool. I've got, thing, I've got it hardwired three different places, and it's the exact <laughs> same a little, thing. little brittle. You, you bet. <laughs> now, <laughs> I mean, Yukon is definitely getting us closer to it, but it's still not 100% there where in Yukon you'll be able to create your own data types and, and 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 do that type of stuff um 
where you know if it's a static type enum you can you could create a, a an assembly that has that enum in there that type in there and be able to associate a column in SQL with that so so talking about all this stuff it almost goes all the way back to you know I asked you about what are some of the big mistakes that people make when working with XML do you think that over architecting is sometimes an issue like just instinctively where you have files all over the place and designs all over the place and everything's hooking up and this thing hooks into that thing and this and that thing and then this it's sort of been bam. a theme on our show you know about you know the beware of over architecture you bet i mean the over architecture and then also uh, the other side of the story is not no architecture, not, no architecture yeah. <laughs> and repeating something in three different spaces right. once on the server sql server and once in the middle tier and once in, in your schema well scott i gotta ask scott because you you sort of said that dot text sort of grew sort of naturally you know as a you didn't obviously start out did you start out with any tools any architecture tools or any patterns that you wanted to use or did you just start writing code or how did that work Somewhere in the middle, you know, I, when I when I first started out, I was just you know binding to you know just raw data tables and data sets. Like I said, hmm. you know, I did it in one night with you know probably two objects. You know, <laughs> get data, <laughs> get data, and save data. Huh. You know, to to right. edit something, I had to manually type in you know the query string. You know, edit post thirty four. Yeah, huh. you know, and you know and that's kind of how I did it. Yeah, but a- no, but now you know that text uses its own you know kind of you know mini object model where there's an entry object and you know and all that other kind of stuff kind of kind of grew out of that. That's cool. And then you added this skinning, which was really cool. Yeah, and free text. Free, I love yeah, free text. Yeah, free text boxes. Free great. text yeah. rocks. Yeah. Well, we're almost out of time. Scott, before we say goodbye, is there anything you want to, uh, you know, last minute words of wisdom or anything you want to mention? Any plugs or anything you want to? No, I'm, you know, not at the moment. The next version, I guess, dot text will be out during the summer. Favorite, favorite tools and utilities? Favorite downloads? Anything? Favorite. Favorite tools. Ah, and, you know, we actually we just purchased uh, this week. We purchased DB Combo, which is a great uh, you know combo box for the you know for the web. From it's not free. Who makes it? But it's pretty nifty. Um, actually, I couldn't even tell you. It's just dbcombo.com. Oh wow. Okay. But uh, no, that cool. was the uh, you know the purchase of the week, I guess. And that works well. Yeah. So far, I mean, we're using it in a you know pretty simple manner, but uh, but no, that's the I guess tool of the week that's uh, turned out to be pretty well. All right. Well, Scott, hey, we're going to uh, say goodbye to you, and uh, thanks for thanks for just showing up, man. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. That was no cool. problem. Awesome. All right, have All a good night, guys. We'll see you. See you. And uh, Don, as for as far as uh, any last minute words you want to say to to the listeners out there? No, I just want, I'd like to thank you guys for having me up. I mean, this is this is great, and uh, this is a great show, and definitely keep it up. Uh, quick shout out to the to the wife and kids. Hey, Melissa, Amanda, and Rebecca. All right, so they all know. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Wait, so- if he gets to do that, then I get to say hi to Corey, my girlfriend, who's listening right now. <laughs> well, hi, Corey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, Don. It's been a real pleasure having you come to the studio and hanging out with us. And for all the listeners out there, keep on rocking with .NET and make note of the new time Thursday nights, 10 p.m. to new- to midnight. Don't-